Amen. Open a Bible, if you would, to John chapter 17. This is, the, this is the verse that this series is based on, at least this part of the series, where Jesus says, Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. We've been talking about misconceptions. Some of the ways that we, we think we get it, and yet somehow the Christianity that's been sold to us maybe doesn't measure up because there's just some, some kind of disconnect between what we're thinking and, and what was actually meant by it. For instance, Jason's been leading us in a couple of questions. Like, like for one, after Easter, after the cross, after it is finished, do my good works even matter? Does it matter how I live, how I behave in this world? I mean, there were people in Jesus' day who said, you know what, after the cross, it really does, I mean, your flesh is going to, it's all going to burn just as long as your heart's right. Do my good deeds even matter? Or this question that Jason raised with us when he said, when he said, isn't the Christian life supposed to get easier the farther along you go? I mean, isn't it supposed to get easier? I mean, Jesus said in one place, if you, if you labor, if you're heavy laden, come to me, I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. But maybe your experience of the Christian life has been, I don't know, it doesn't seem to be getting easier. In fact, in fact the, more I, the more I engage, the deeper I go, the longer I'm in, the more questions arise that make me, I don't know, I don't know how to, how to be the husband I'm called to be. I don't know how to be the dad I'm called to be. Isn't it supposed to get easier? As we go along, and maybe you get to the place, maybe you get to the place where you say, you know what? What does eternal life even mean? I mean, I mean, we talk about how we talk about how we get to go to heaven when we die, or or or, or streets of gold, gates of pearl, and and a worship service that lasts eternity. Some of you had a hard time making it through the last thirty minutes. I saw some of you stretching and nodding just a little bit. So what does eternal life even mean? What does that look like? Jesus gives us a definition in John chapter 17. This is eternal life. And then he begins to say, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and that they may know me, the one you've sent. So what would it look like? What would it look like if if you were able to get beyond this moment? I mean, maybe you've been asking yourself, maybe you're in a season of life where you're waiting for the next thing to happen, the next domino to fall. And, and you're just, honestly, you're just trying to live in the moment. You're trying to live for this moment. Isn't living for this moment good enough? Yeah, because all the decisions that you make that are expedient in the moment, those all turn out fine, right? Anybody? Anybody? Have there ever been any decisions that you said, you know what, if I had been thinking about the impact that that would have on my future, maybe I would have decided differently. Anybody ever have a time like that? If I'd have been thinking about the way that that decision would have impacted my wife, I would have decided differently. If I had thought for just a few minutes about how that decision would impact my children or their children, maybe I would have decided differently. Maybe I would have reacted in a different way. Is living for the moment good enough? Do you wonder how good is good enough? I mean, I think about that sometimes when we're having a funeral here. Jack, you know, when there's a, when there's a casket laid out here, we're not just here to celebrate the life of that person. I think everybody that gathers on days like that, they're kind of wondering, 
Do I know that I know that I'm going to be okay when it's my day? How good is good enough? We're going to see in just a minute where, where there's at least three times in the gospel somebody comes to Jesus and says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? What do I have to do to know that I know that I'm going to be okay? Because here's the question. How do you know that you have eternal life? I mean, I mean this life sometimes... It's hard. So how do you know there's something better waiting on the other side of that? Let's, let's explore that together. So let me read you this. Let me read you this. In, in Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel, there's this guy who comes to Jesus. It's the same story, but it's told over and over. And I've got it marked in Matthew's telling of it. Just then a man came up to Jesus and he asked him, Teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life. In other words, how can I know that I have eternal life? What am I supposed to do? Is there a hoop I'm supposed to jump through? Is there a bar I'm supposed to clear? Is there a list that I'm supposed to keep track of? Jesus says, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. And he says, which ones? Jesus replied, you should not murder. You should not commit adultery. You should not steal. You should not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's funny because in that day, when, when, the, guy says, when the guy says, Jesus, uh, you know, keep the commandments, he says, which ones? We think about 10, right? But in that day, there were hundreds. And depending on who you ask, they would have a different list. So which commandments am I supposed to keep? Whose list am I supposed to go by? And Jesus begins to just sort of reel some of them off. And they're the obvious ones, right? The ones, that, the ones that we can all say okay about, you know? I mean, I mean, murder and adultery and stealing and false testimony and honoring your father and mother. And, and if you read over it quickly, you can say, I'm okay, I'm good on all those. But if you scratch below the surface very much, you start kind of wondering, have I measured up on each of those? All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? And Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions. Give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went out very sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? And I'm going to stop right there because what I really want to call your attention to are three things Three ways to say the same thing that you may have missed. Because the guy came asking about eternal life. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus says, it's hard for rich people to enter the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard him talking about that, they said, well, then who can be saved? Those three, it's it's like there are three ways to say the same thing. And if we're asking the question, what is eternal life? What does it mean? Eternal life, the kingdom of heaven, being saved, what does that mean? How does it unfold? What does it look like? Because I don't know if you know this, but one of the primary things that sometimes people come and, and, and want to pray about at the altar is maybe they've had a relationship with Jesus a long time ago. Maybe they've been far from Jesus for a while. And maybe they come to the altar and they're wanting somebody to pray with them with, the, with this question in mind. Am I okay I mean, I asked Jesus in my heart when I was 
12, am I okay at 30? I asked Jesus in my heart when I was 15, am I still okay even though life has passed me by? One of the big issues that sometimes people come to the altar for is, is when they want to say, I just, I don't feel secure in my faith. I don't, I, don't, I don't feel like I've got it nailed down. Can you help me nail it down? Let me read this to you because John writes about this. 1 John chapter 5, he says, he says, I write these things to those of you who believe. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Well, is that you? I mean, I think if we went around the room, we said, do you believe in the Son of God? Do you believe? Do you believe in God? I think most people would say, yeah, I do. I mean, maybe not everybody, but a lot of us would say, yeah, I believe. I believe. I've believed since I was a kid. Well, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. Does it, does it interest you to think that God wants you to know that you have eternal life? Not just hope so, think so, maybe so, won't know for sure until it's too late to do anything about it. These things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. I write these things to you who believe so that you can know, so that you can know that eternal life is not just, it's not just a place, heaven when you die. And it's not just a time after I die. I, was, I spent a little time this morning out by the septic pond my best Sundays start by the septic pond. Kind of grounds me, helps me realize where I've come from and, and honestly, where I could fall back to. But I'm seeing the septic pond, and let me tell you, this time of year, it's just a little gross. It's just a little gross out there. But there's four ducks just swimming around in the septic pond like they're just as happy as can be, swimming around in the septic pond. And, I, and I'm thinking... This is kind of a parable of my life. How much time have I wasted swimming around in the septic pond when I was created for eternity? I don't know if you know the, the classic verse for eternal life, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life. But it's not just a life that goes on forever. It's a different Kind, not just a time, but a kind of life. A life that is caught up in knowing God and knowing Jesus. A kind of life that is, that is kind of like when those ducks took off out of that septic pond and said, you know what? I don't think this smells like home to me. I don't think this is where I belong. I think there is a better place for me to be. And they took off. And I'm glad they did because... I don't know. It just was depressing to me. It was depressing to me. Oh. But Jesus invites us to so much more. In fact, there's a place that says this. Let me read this one to you. In Ecclesiastes, it says, this, this is the place, maybe you've heard this beautiful biblical poem, to everything there is a season for every activity, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh. And then it says this, it says, he has set eternity in the human heart. You were wired for eternity. 
You were wired for eternity. God said eternity in your heart so that you're not, you're not fulfilled in the septic pond that you're swimming around in. There's something in you that says there's got to be more than this. There's got to be something beyond this. You were wired for eternity. And you know how I know that? Because you don't have time enough to know all the things that God has in mind for you to know. You don't have time to love all the things that God has put in your heart to love. You don't have time to love all the people that you have for, that God has in mind for you to love. In fact, has there ever been anyone about whom you said their life was cut short? They didn't have, they didn't have a time to build and a time to tear down. They didn't have a time to weep and a time to laugh. They didn't have a time to mourn and a time to dance. You're made for eternity, but you're trapped in time. And Jesus comes along, puts on flesh to dwell among us, walks tempted in every way like we are, yet without sin, and then goes to the cross so that he can take our sin and give us his life. In fact, let me go here with you. In 1 John chapter 1, we looked at 1 John 5 a minute ago, but in 1 John chapter 1, here's what it says. That which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have held, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. This is John talking. The one who walked with Jesus, the one who talked with Jesus, the one who saw Jesus walk on water and watched his friend Peter go out, the one who saw Jesus when he fed the 5,000, who watched him raise the dead and heal the sick, the one who watched him go all the way to the cross and, and who was entrusted with Mary at the end. John says, this is what we have seen with our own eyes and we've touched with our own hands. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared and we have seen it. And we testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim this, we proclaim this to you, the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. This is eternal life that you know him and you know me. Not that you grit your teeth and dig in your hands until you finally die and get to go to heaven. No, this is eternal life that you know him and you know him now. And when Jesus came, he came saying the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is now. And, and, and when Jesus talks about being saved or when the disciples said, well, then who can be saved? They're talking about what's going on. In fact, in fact let, me just, let me just show you this. Jesus says to the disciples when they ask, well, then who can be saved? He says, look, I'm going to tell you this. At the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the thrones and judge the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. The kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven, salvation is at hand. And it starts now. It doesn't start when you die. If you've been swimming around in the septic pond for too long, you may think to yourself, 
well, I guess this is all there is. But God loved you. God loved you so much that he sent his son for you. Now, now, now let, me, let me just go there with you for a second because some people would say, no, God was so mad at you. That's why he had to sin. In fact, God was so mad at you, but he's basically good, so he didn't want to kill you. He killed his son instead of you. It doesn't say God was so mad at you that he sent his son. It says God loved you so much that he sent his son so that whoever believes in him doesn't have to stay in the septic pond, doesn't have to live your whole life on that plane, but instead... You can move up. You can lift your eyes. And you can go beyond this moment. So let me invite you. Is this, is living for this moment good enough for you? Some of you would honestly say no. No, this moment, this moment blows If you're in the middle of a struggle with someone you love, you may think to yourself, this moment is not where I want to live. If you're struggling with your spouse or with your kid or with your parents or honestly with anybody that you love, who wants to live that way forever? Who wants to keep swimming around in that? No. This moment is not good enough. Do you wonder how good is good enough? Do you wonder, am I going to be okay? Because honestly, the harder I try, the more it seems like I just can't measure up. And it's not just that I'm letting God down. And it's not just that I'm letting the people that I, I'm letting myself down. And it just, so how can you know? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a minute? Because I'm talking right now to people who know, right? I'm talking right now to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. But Lord, in Jesus' name, uh, just saying I believe in you doesn't, seem to be getting me across the goal line right now. Lord, I need you. I need to I need to know you. And I need to know that you know me. God, I need you. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, maybe you've believed in God for a long time, but maybe that hasn't made its way deep into your heart of a relationship with God that would say I am yours and you are mine this is eternal life that they know you the eternal God and that they know me Jesus the one you've sent